everyone. Alan Schimmel, DevOps.com, here for another DevOps Chat. This episode's guest on DevOps Chat is Scott Wilson of Atomic. Scott, welcome to DevOps Chat. Thank you, Alan. I'm glad to be here. Yep. We And Scott, we've spoken before. We've done webinars and podcasts in the past and uh, fairly familiar. But for our audience who may not know who Scott Wilson is, why don't you give us a quick background? Okay, great. Uh, thank you, Alan. Uh, I am currently the product marketing director at Atomic uh, Software, and basically I am uh, specializing particularly on DevOps and application release automation. I come from a pretty technical background. I started basically in high school writing code and was a software developer for a long time. And, uh, you know, many uh, evolutions, different vertical markets of writing code, and I've evolved uh, ultimately now into marketing. So It's not such a bad thing, Scott, but um, (laughs) there are fates worse than death. But anyway, Scott, (laughs) we were going to talk a little bit today about you know, sort of, we can call them dead end, dead end languages, um, and and by that I mean, you know, we it's a great time to be a developer today. You have so many choices in in what you want to develop in, but like anything else, you know, there will be winners and losers among among uh, development languages that you can choose from. And I know this is, this is a yeah this is a topic you you've spoken and written on, so I wanted to kind of you know with that premise, why don't you explain to our audience a little bit about what we what you're talking about? Okay, well you know as I mentioned in the intro, Alan, I'm uh, no stranger to code, and I uh, will admit I still write code on on the side for various things here and there. And one of the things that has struck me over uh, my experience, especially uh, with talking with uh, customers and even working for a couple of vendors for application release automation products, is that in DevOps in general, there's this great level of um, interest and experimentation going on with languages. A lot of the ARA tooling provides ways for you to build your own plugins, for example. And uh, so that you can extend these products and extend their reach into uh, building a, a nice cohesive uh, tool chain, a DevOps pipeline, if you will. And the challenge is, as I started looking at a lot of these uh, products and a lot of the momentum in DevOps, as I started realizing that people are choosing uh, languages that are kind of uh, dead on arrival already. Um, what really sparked my interest in this it was not only my observation here, Alan, but I spoke with an executive at a, a large company, and he was telling me that they were having to rewrite a lot of their DevOps code, their deployment code, if you will, because the folks that had written their pipeline five years ago used a language that they can no longer hire people to write it. And so they're having to scratch it and rewrite it again. And I've actually heard this theme a few other times as I've met with executives across the uh, the U.S. So that had me really diving in and trying to figure out, well, how big of a problem is this? There is, and I won't name the company, but there is one ARA vendor that does offer a Perl toolkit, just for example, to uh, you know connect to their API and interact with it. Uh, the problem is Perl is a dying language. Um, so if 
Now, that this vendor also does not exclusively demand you use Perl, but I just found it an odd choice that they would even support that, given its uh, decreasing popularity. Additionally, I was at Chef uh, Comp this uh, last summer, summer of 2016, and they announced their their new Habitat right platform, and it was all written in Rust. Again, another odd, obscure language. And so, uh, Alan, what I did is I went around and started looking to find out, well, why are some of these companies choosing a language and then five years later not able to support the language and the tool that they have built it in? And there are several, turns out, popularity indexes, Alan. And you can look around for these. There's one called, uh, you know, the popularity of programming language, PYPL, and uh, it's listed on GitHub. And it lists all the popularity, uh, the languages by popularity and share. Uh, there's the TIOBE index as well. And there, there are several indexes. Some of them uh, compile indexes. I think, uh, what is it? There's, uh, there's one uh, that is uh, garnered by what's called Coding Dojo and several others that go look at job listings to see what are the most popular language requirements in job listings. And... Um, if you want to get a good sense of this, actually, you can actually go to ZDNet.com. They wrote a great article that basically took all the different uh, indexes, aggregated them, and put them together. And what's interesting in their findings is that you don't see Perl, you don't see Rust, you don't see a lot of these um, <coughs> new, I call them doctorate, uh, doctorate languages, meaning ki uh, people going to get their doctorates in computer science wind up creating these languages and uh, they, had, they each kind of have their own cult following, Alan, which is cool in one respect, but in the other respect it means that if you're not careful, you can latch on to some programming language for your DevOps practice and wind up choosing a language that is in fact not sustainable. That's a, that's a trend. And you yeah, wind up but, then... But certainly... So, Scott, in the case of Rust and maybe some of the other more obscure kind of languages we run into, I, I get what you're saying, and I don't disagree. But, you know, when you look at Perl, you know, you and I are not 20-something, Scott, right? I mean, Perl's been around a long time, and in its day, you know, back in the dot-com bubble, you know, Perl, Perl was the equivalent of PHP, you know, and recently I saw, I think PHP is out, PHP 5 or whatever just is out there now. But, you know, Perl, if you would have asked me, you know, a language to bet on in 1998, I probably would have bet on Perl. You know, I, I, I wouldn't think it would become obscure or obsolete. Though, look, 98, you know, we're talking 18, 19 years, and certainly nothing lives forever. But, but how, are, how are people out there, you know, it's, it's so hard. We don't have a crystal ball, right? And we do have these indexes. But how do we know, like, what's the next hot one and which is the next dud? That's an excellent question. And just to provide maybe a story, Alan, of your, what you've pointed out, because there is no crystal ball, and it is tough. Uh, I think the whole IT industry right now, including programming languages, it really reminds me a lot of the turn of the 20th century when there was really no clear definition of what an automobile should look like. 
and there were various versions. Edison had his battery-operated uh, uh, vehicle, and there were several steamers. Uh, there were several combustion engines, and there were lots and lots of uh, losers, lots of investments that went bust. And it took, you know, basically a couple of decades. But by the time we hit the 1920s, everyone understood and knew what an automobile looked like, and it was it looked like and operated like a Model T, right? And so it, it's really kind of tough right now. So what I like to do, or what I recommend in the, the context of what we're talking about here with languages is to really look at where it's trending and what its longevity has been. Um, if we look at that, you know, Java, C++ is unpopular. That might be C have had, and even JavaScript have had uh, a great deal of sustained uh, momentum over a couple of decades. Uh, you were right, Perl at the time was great. But according to the popularity index, it is at its lowest um, popularity point since 2001, and is continually trending down. Uh, PHP has been holding its own, and in the composite index, it is still listed as one of the more uh, popular languages. And so, you know, I would be, uh, frankly, if I were practicing a, a, a language to help uh, extend my DevOps practice, I would definitely look at what things have been sustainable over the last several years, uh, decades rather, and really look at the trending. Uh, in that wise, not to sound too critical, but uh, when I look at Chef, uh, placing Habitat on Rust, for example, was probably not a great idea for the future. Um, if you look at what sustained languages have sustained over the last 20 years, it would have been better for them to have chose Java because you have a huge uh, base of Java developers, and you could have then had a much larger uh, contribution base to the project. So I think there's just things you can do like that. And, and then, you know, the other thing, Alan, to your point, and it's very unsexy to say this, but there has been one kind of, uh, I'll call it quasi-programming uh, interface that has spanned the entire test of time and it has remained consistent and it also what's neat about this is I've observed it transcends every IT specialist and that is a command line interface or CLEES. Uh, I found uh, in looking at this that it was very interesting that you know one of the challenges of let's say extending some new fad DevOps tool using a programming language is it requires a programmer and you have to understand the grammar of the language and that usually silos the expertise that is capable or readily capable of picking this up where versus a command line interface they were designed frankly for the use case to be readily understood and easily picked up and they transcend everybody whether you're a software developer a DBA everyone kinds to get to very quickly understands how command line interfaces work so I'd be if I were trying to build my DevOps practice today I would actually be more keen on looking at using command line interfaces, published ones, to uh, set up a lot of my uh, extensions and automation mechanics just because they have transcended time and have the longest lifespan of any language. So I wouldn't say command line interface. The language, it is an interface, right? But um, the nice thing is they are mostly self-documenting. With programming languages, um, you have to know the language to understand what's doing, and they're generally not self-documenting got it um, Scott I don't want to put you on the spot but 
give our listeners, if you can, what you think are the your top three choices for the languages to use, let's say, in the foreseeable future? All right, excellent question. Well, as always, it depends on what you're looking to do. That's what's very interesting when you look at the indexes and the aggregates and the composites of these indexes. Is it really depends. I look at languages a lot like tools in a, in a tool shed. They do a specific uh, thing. You wouldn't want to write a web server, for example, in C. I mean, you could, but uh, you know, it has diminishing returns. Uh, I would say in the modern cloud era that we're in, uh, the more popular languages that uh, would support this are certainly Java. You've got Python, PHP, JavaScript, uh, and C Sharp are amongst the more popular ones. Um, they've been around for a while. C Sharp, as you know, is backed by Microsoft, big company, and has recently gone uh, going open source, the .NET platform is. It works on every platform, Mac, Windows, Linux, what have you. So that could be interesting. JavaScript, um, I mean, for its ease of use, I mean, goodness, it's um, it's been around for quite a while. And you got services like uh, Node.js in which you can run very sophisticated apps on it. But I'd probably be looking in that tier for the modern cloud-based apps. Uh, Java, Python, PHP, C Sharp, JavaScript would probably be the languages I would be more keen on looking at. Got it. So, Scott, believe it or not, we, we've kind of used up our 15 minutes of fame here. <clears throat> but, um, you know, this is an interesting subject matter, Scott, that I think many developers sort of delve in. You know, there's, there's the, I call it the shiny trinket syndrome, where everybody wants to use the latest and greatest hot, cool tool. But um, sometimes, you know, these fads fade out quickly. And and you're left, you know, with a, a fantastic product that was developed in a dead-end language or a fantastic app developed in a dead-end language. So definitely something to to be wary of. Absolutely. Um, yeah, like I said, the language I gave are great for creating a project. If you're trying to do a lot of those uh, DevOps automation mechanics, I would really highly recommend looking at uh, command line interfaces to stitch a lot of that together. Yep. So, Scott, we're going to call it a wrap on, on today's podcast. Obviously, there's big news going on with Atomic and acquisition news and stuff, and, and maybe once the dust settles on that, we could have you back on and talk about that a bit. Absolutely. I'd love to. Until then, though, Scott Wilson, Scott Wilson Atomic, continued success keep doing what you're doing and thanks for being this this episode's guest on devops chat thank you alan have a great day all right this is alan schimmel for devops.com for devops chat and uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next chat bye-bye everyone <laughs> <laughs>